0: 好 yeah. yeah.
1: Say what you will about whether the Iowa caucuses ought to get all the attention that they do, whether it's largely a media play by the candidates, a bid to prove themselves and parlay it into success in later states. There are specific items and issues that it does well to spotlight, ones that don't necessarily apply to Democrats elsewhere. One of them is climate change and how it has affected the U.S. agriculture industry. And that, in turn, affects all of us, the economy, our food supply... Democrats lost the rural vote in small cities in 2016 by about 2 to 1. Can they turn that around and can the Iowa caucuses help their candidates start to appeal out there? Then we'll talk about Pete Buttigieg who is competitive now in the Iowa caucuses in the latest polling. He's up to 14% in our CBS News poll. That was double his previous support. Other polls subsequently showing him in the mix as well. Iowa traditionally a place where perhaps a lesser known national figure can make gains. Can he compete with the Biden and Warren and Sanders campaigns? And how does he do it? We'll talk about that. We'll get reports from the field with CBS News political reporter Adam Brewster. All of that coming up. I am Anthony Salvanto, and this is where did you get this number? We are talking to Adam Brewster, CBS News political reporter from what has become our Des Moines bureau. Is that is that fair to say? <laughs> say, Adam, you're there in Des Moines, right?
0: Yes, I'm here in Des Moines, one half of the Des Moines Bureau.
1: Well, you know what? It's like it's like when when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, you know, wherever he put down the lander, that becomes Tranquility Base. So, you know, for you road borderers out there, <laughs> wherever you set that, wherever you set down, wherever you call in from, <laughs> there's there's a Des Moines Bureau, there's there's an Iowa Bureau. Uh no, I'm 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 really delighted to have you join. Let let me start off by talking about climate change and agriculture there in Iowa. You have what I found to be a really interesting piece up on cbsnews.com today where you went out and you talked to some farmers, those involved in agriculture there in Iowa. Can you unpack that a little bit and tell us tell us what you found?
0: Yeah, so this is a movement that has kind of picked up steam in, in the Democratic caucuses this cycle and essentially... In Iowa, you hear a lot of talk about the impact uh, flooding and historically wet weather has had on farmers Uh, across the country. It's cost them about seven billion dollars in lost revenue, according to uh, an Iowa state professor. And there have been some people here in Iowa, some climate activists and farmers who have said, well, farming and agriculture accounts for about nine percent of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. And there are practices that farmers know how to do that can help improve their carbon footprint and and help get agriculture to a carbon neutral state uh, and be part of the solution to climate change.
1: Another interesting part of your piece was, to me, the way in which there's a difference between people who, with all good meaning, feel like they're saying we need to do something about climate change, but where the rubber meets the road among the farmers that you talk to They're talking about not only how it's complicated, but how they also might be bearing risk if they take steps to try to mitigate emissions or help the environment. Can you describe a little bit of the detail of what they mean by bearing risk in order to do these things?
0: So what that risk comes in is they are putting some type of investment in, in a monetary and time investment, and aren't necessarily seeing an immediate return on that from a monetary standpoint. So one of the practices that they advocate for is planting more cover crops in the winter. Now, according to the EPA and a branch of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, for every 20 million acres of cover crops planted, which is about 5% of U.S. cropland, that can soak up Enough carbon dioxide equivalent to offset emissions from about 13, almost 13 million passenger vehicles. Now, what do I mean by cover crops? These are crops that are planted sometimes in the winter rather than just leaving the soil bare. So that can be something like a cereal rye or oats. Why don't all farmers do this? Well, part of that is, as I said, because of cost. The seed can cost about $30 an acre. And the farmers have to go in and plant it, and then they have to take it back out of their soil before they can put in their commodity crop, what they make money off of. In Iowa, for many farmers, that is corn and soybeans. So it costs the farmers, again, on the back end to kill it in the spring if they were to wait for it to mature, to harvest, which they don't really have anywhere, to sell these crops. Also, in the end, farmers say, you know, after about 10 years, you'll see this payoff, but not—farmers right now are squeezed— not just from trade, but things like ethanol. And of course, as I mentioned uh, earlier, just the historically wet weather has damaged farm revenue. So every penny they spend is something that they have to know that they can see an investment on. And so providing some of these incentives and payments for these environmental practices, the idea is you can get more farmers involved in fighting climate change.
1: That is fascinating. Adam, let me ask you on the political side of things. Are you seeing any of the candidates in particular go out and try to win over those in farming, those in agriculture, those in rural areas of Iowa?
0: I think you're seeing a lot more of them spend time in rural Iowa. We were at, uh, I was at a forum last week, I should say, with Former uh, Iowa governor and U.S. uh, uh, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, as well as a few other prominent Iowans talking about rural voting. And they said they've seen more attention on rural Iowa than they have in years past. When you talk to people who know rural Iowa, they say, you know, Democrats may not win outright there, but it's about slimming the margins. I think former Vice President Joe Biden's campaign thinks there are a lot of moderates out in rural America that they can target. Senator Elizabeth Warren has a rural political coordinator who's out there, and that team has covered the state, knocking doors out there. Senator Bernie Sanders' campaign has people all over. Mayor Pete Buttigieg has offices, uh, more than 20 offices spread across the su- state. Excuse me. So uh, Democrats are going after these. Rural communities because they can add up in the caucuses. One of the first stories we did was looking at the impact the rural vote can have. And of course, you need to do well in places like Des Moines and in other cities like Cedar Rapids or like Davenport or like Sioux City to win. But doing well in rural Iowa is a strategy strategy. It worked for John Edwards to get him in second place in 2008, where Democrats can make gains.
1: That's that's right. And what happens is there are only so many delegates to go around in Iowa, right? So... There are only so many delegates allocated to places like Des Moines or Ames or Cedar Rapids. Even if they turn out large numbers of people there, they can't necessarily get all the delegates in the state because there are also delegates allocated to be won out in rural areas. And so you can kind of magnify the impact of those rural areas as as well. And good campaigns know that and play that strategy. You mentioned uh, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg. Now, he was in fourth place, but rising in the latest CBS News poll out there. He was at 14%. He had doubled his support. And then there's been other polls that subsequently confirmed or showed that he's been gaining standing, that he's up there or at least vying with the Bidens and Warrens and Sanders uh, campaigns out there. Now, one of the things that I was interested in is that among Iowa voters, only 8% said that it was very important to have someone young. And of course, Buttigieg is uh, young relative to the rest of the field. Only 11% said that they wanted an outsider. He, of course, does not hold office in DC. So I'm wondering from the people that you're talking to, covering that campaign, talking to voters, what, what is it? What's behind his, his gaining steam?
0: One of the things you often hear is that he's, some people say he's just a breath of fresh air, or they like the way that he talks about issues and is able to have an answer for most questions that get brought up at these caucus events, which if you haven't been to one, essentially these candidates speak for maybe 25, 30, 40 minutes and then take anywhere from three, four, five, or six questions, depending on how much time they have allotted in their schedule. So this is you know, it becomes a conversation, and people walk away being very impressed typically with how Mayor Pete Buttigieg handles those questions that they throw at him. when you you talk about the his jump in the polls that we've seen recently, Anthony, you know, fourteen percent in in our latest poll and then a little higher in some subsequent polls, it's something that we, you know, have been expecting for several months. He draws has drawn large crowds here for months, consistently. I remember going to Shenandoah, Iowa. Back in late July on a Saturday night, um, and as I was walking in, I, I happened to hear people from the town who were just going saying, I don't remember the last time I saw this many cars in Page County, Iowa, where it was being held. Or when I was in Davenport with him about six weeks ago, I parked a few blocks from a college where he was holding an event. And a postal worker asked me what's going on at the college, and I said, oh, you know, Pete Buttigieg is speaking over there, and she said, I have never seen the streets like this before. So there has been lots of interest in him, so we've kind of started to see the polls catch up to that interest, and maybe it's now people starting to, you know, put him up near the top as opposed to just being interested in him, because in Iowa, as much as it is important to be a first choice, everybody has lists of who's their second, third, fourth, and fifth choices.
1: Adam, let me talk to you a little bit about something that I've seen in his speeches Buttigieg brings up as well as other candidates, and that is faith. Is that something that's resonating? Is that something that you see the candidates talking more about? And if so, is it something that seems to be helping them?
0: There are a handful of candidates that talk about their faith, but the ones that chiefly come to mind are uh, Mayor P. Buttigieg and Senator Cory Booker who, who speak about it a lot and, and it's never in a I'm a Christian therefore you should be a Christian way it is I'm a Christian and therefore this is why I think what I think or these are the values that I learned from this and, and I was a heavily Christian state and there are people here Democrats here who I've heard say we have felt forgotten Mayor P. Buttigieg likes to say you know God doesn't belong to a political party and that resonates with people here who have been longing, you know, for a democrat to speak that way. And you know, I in an article I wrote in July I mentioned uh, the Iowa state auditor here who flipped that seat last year. The state auditor race is obviously not something that always draws tons and tons of fanfare, but he's part of his message was faith and he says people come up to him all the time and say thank you for talking about this. This is important for me. So we've heard candidates talk about it and And that's part of the reason why some of these, you know, especially when they get out in rural areas, we've talked to county chairs in rural areas who say that candidates uh, like Pete Buttigieg and Cory Booker get good receptions when they go out there. Now, whether that means people are necessarily committed to them, they are at least happy to hear that message and happy to hear Democrats speaking about that.
1: Adam, we're going to take a short break here. And on the other side of it, we're going to talk about taxes and health care. They care for all. Do you think there's been any truth in advertising on that? It's going to raise taxes on middle-class people, not just wealthy people. You're talking about Elizabeth Warren. Well, I'm not only talking about it, even Bernie acknowledges you got to raise taxes. It doesn't raise taxes on anybody but billionaires. And you know what? The billionaires can afford it, and I don't call them middle class. So, billionaire, that's where it worked. Anyone under $20 that worked? That's right, it's not paying a penny more. That's exactly right. Plenty of back and forth on the trail, Adam, uh, especially now between Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, talking about competing visions for what to do about health care in particular, Medicare for all. We know that it resonates in particular with progressives. You know, Joe Biden has talked about something, you know, I guess he would uh, characterize this as more moderate. A lot of argument over whether or not it can be paid for without raising middle-class taxes. Is there a larger sense among the campaigns that just by talking about whether or not they raise taxes, that they're sort of going through this issue and maybe alienating or putting off some of the voters they need to win down the line in the general?
0: I think that the the taxes issue will be interesting to follow in Iowa over the next couple of months, especially since it's really been the past, you know, five, six weeks that Senator Warren has come under the microscope for her pledge to not raise middle class taxes. Of course, she explains it differently than Senator Bernie Sanders, who says, yeah, your taxes will go up, but overall, you will be paying less. And some Sanders supporters, when you talk to them about their taxes, they say, I'm going to be paying less overall. But of course, the 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 candidates such as former Vice President Biden and Mayor Buttigieg, who, who talk about, you know, creating a public option, Mayor Buttigieg likes to use the term Medicare for all who want it. Vice President Biden said last week he will not be raising tax on the middle classes, period, from from his plan to add a public option. It is a stance that you expect to see him hit because you can, you know, almost hear the attack, you know, Republican ads in, in a general election. Democrats like to say if someone like Senator Warren is the nominee, people like Joe Biden and his supporters say, well, we're afraid of being attacked by the Republicans, you know, next September, and next October about raising middle class taxes and whether people will be scared to vote for us.
1: Is it uh, is it your sense when you're talking to the crowds at Biden events, Warren events, Sanders events, that they're looking for a specific set of plans or are they using the health care issue as something symbolic? as something is to measure whether or not a candidate gets it, for lack of a better word, that something, in their view, needs to be done with the health care system.
0: I think that the people who, when you go to Senator Warren and Senator Sanders events, they think something drastic needs to be done with health care. Now, interestingly enough, I've run across a decent amount of Senator Warren supporters over the summer who say, you know, their first choice might be actually A public option that keeps private insurance in place. And they tend to just like Senator Warren enough that they feel comfortable enough with, you know, her Medicare for all plan as a policy that eliminates private insurance, that they still support her. But they feel that some candidates don't the supporters of Senator Sanders and Senator Warren, you know, who who are full believers in, you know, a single payer, no private insurance, government run health care plan, don't believe that that it goes far enough. And I've heard some people question about, you know, whether it would be, you know, create like a tiered system where their private insurance might be better than the public option. Now, those who support, you know, people like Senator Biden or or, or you know, Mayor Buttigieg, they are all for they do not want to get rid of that public-private option. Iowa is, interestingly enough, private insurance is a huge industry in the state. So when I've gone around and asked people, I would say a little more than half have probably said that they prefer a public option leaving private insurance in place. Um, The Des Moines Register in a September poll basically showed about 40% of people said that they're comfortable with a completely government-run system that eliminates private insurance. Another 28% said they were comfortable with it, but they think it's bad policy. And a lot of people who I talk to, about half people who I talk to who do not support a fully government-run system, say they're just afraid of the politics of it. And I've talked to some doctors and nurses and some retired doctors and nurses who say they don't worry about care or quality of care going down. They're just worried about whether if it's a losing political issue.
1: And that comes back to what we've seen from the start of this campaign, where Democrats are really focused on electability. Now, that means gaming out what other people may think. And certainly they hear plenty of polls and hear about maybe the broader electorate may or may not support a plan like this. But that's where they're trying to game out whether or not somebody's plans might have broader appeal it's quite a bank shot in american politics to do things like that but it certainly seems to be the dynamic now adam let me ask you last question by uh by way of telling us where you're headed next what should be what should we be watching for and what should the political junkies who are watching iowa so closely be keeping an eye on over the next week
0: i think over the next week or the next two weeks, maybe even leading up to the debate, whether some of these moderate candidates like a Senator Amy Klobuchar or Mayor Pete Buttigieg start to see any little bit of a bump. You know, there have been articles written about the status of former Vice President Biden here in Iowa, and his campaign feels very strongly, you know, about where they stand and the amount of voter contacts they made in the month of October. But I think over the next couple of weeks, It'll be interesting to see because even when I was at an event for the former vice president on Friday night before the uh, Liberty and Justice celebration, the big dinner in Iowa on Friday night, most of the people I spoke to were supporters of him, but I found a few who, while they may have supported him, We're open to the idea of someone like Mayor Pete Buttigieg. I don't know if we'll see necessarily tons of shifting over the next week. One thing I will highlight and circle that is coming up within the next week is Senator Sanders is coming here with Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And they are holding a series of climate conversations and climate town halls in Council Bluffs and in Des Moines and over in Coralville, Iowa. I will be fascinated to see the reception that Senator Sanders gets. He has a lot of people here who still really support him. He has a very strong base of support. It'll be interesting to see how much he can build that out. Of course, he only barely lost to Secretary Clinton here in 2016.
1: We will be watching indeed. Adam Brewster, CBS News political reporter. Great stuff from on the ground on the campaign trail out there where everybody seems to be these days you know i, I mean i confess i expected a lot of candidates to be spreading out uh, over more states given the way the the delegate allocations go but it seems like there's uh, quite a number of them who are going all in or at least mostly in 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 iowa so worth watching thank you adam really appreciate this really fun stuff
0: thank you for having me on anthony
1: We will leave it there for this week. We will be back next week. Let me thank everybody at CBS News Radio who helps make this possible. First of all, my producer, Alan Pang. Great job as always, Alan. Thank you. And along with the great team, Maeve Burke, Jake Rosen in D.C., Rachel Armani, and most of all, thank you for listening. At me on Twitter, send in your questions, questions about the polls, questions about politics. We will field them along the way. Give us a download, give us a rating if you like what you heard. And in the meantime, we will see you here next week. Thanks for listening. Look around. You can
0: find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding in your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader.